Hey, this is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Scandal, How to Get Away with Murder and Grey's Anatomy. And we've got a name change this week, you guys. We used to be Scandal Revealed. But because we have Thursday night and we have all these great shows on Thursday night, we are now Shondaland Revealed, which is the official Shondaland podcast for the fine television programmies that we make here at Shondaland on Thursday nights on ABC. I am super excited to introduce my guest today because this is a first. You guys have met a lot of the folks from Scandal, but we thought it would be really fun to actually kick this new version of our podcast off with one of my all-time favorite actors and human beings and also dangerous hyphenate (laughs) because he also sings, he directs, and he acts, and he probably writes in the closet someplace. I don't know. (laughs) And that is the sparklingly lovely Kevin McKidd. Hello, Hello. sparklingly lovely Kevin McKidd. <laughs> oh, thank you. That was a really lovely introduction. Oh, you're you. such, see, but it's so amazing to me when somebody can do more than one thing. <laughs> I can't walk and chew gum at the same time as most people know, but somehow or another, you sing crap, you act in crap, you direct crap. It's amazing to me that you actually can do all this stuff. Well, maybe. Hope I can do. I hope I can do them. I mean, singing's kind of the thing that I think that I'm more of a frustrated singer than anything. Really. But you're a good singer, and you you're a good musician. Oh, thank you. I mean, we relied on you heavily. There was a fun musical episode we did, as I recall. Oh yeah, that was. I think we should do another one. I think what we should think? too, because I think we. We probably have some musical talent that we haven't plumbed yet. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? I think we've... Kelly McCreary, I bet she can I bet sing. Kelly McCreary sure can, can, can just... If I heard her, we were doing an OR scene the other day, and she was humming away, and I was like, she's mm, getting good voice. I bet she could belt out a show tuner too, right? Yeah, exactly. See, now, as is always the tradition, I'm going to describe what Kevin is wearing, which is what we do so you guys can visualize what it's like here at Shondaland Revealed. <laughs> um, Kevin is wearing a really nice sort of like blue button-down shirt, which is looking kind of casual, but at the same point, it's, it's sharp. And some gray jeans, and the fly just landed on his foot, because that fly's not stupid. He knows where to live. And he's got these really cool battered brown shoe boots. What do you call them? They're kind of shoe boots. I actually bought them five years ago, and they came out of the box just like these, just like that. They're fabulous, you guys. They actually kind of look like he beat the crap out of them at some point. But in fact, somebody beat the crap out of them for you, which is way better, because then you don't have to look like... You know, in our business, very often what we do is we go to costumes because things have to look like they're worn, right. and they'll buy new stuff, and they'll, like, run over shoes with their cars totally, yeah. and throw dirt on them and all this stuff just so it doesn't look like it's new. Yeah. And, look, somebody did that for you, Kevin. You didn't have to try. <laughs> I know, exactly. It's super, super awesome. <laughs> so before we get started with Kevin and talk about Grey's Anatomy, which is what we're going to be focusing on today, I want to do a quick sort of recap in my own inimitably clumsy, slightly clunky way of the fine other programs which aired last night. Let's start with Scandal, shall we? You guys, it's just heating up on Scandal. I mean, this was called the State of the Union, which I think is a great title because it is. What's the State of the Union? It's kind of a mess. I mean, you got Melly, who's continually wandering around her rugs, which is not necessarily the greatest thing to do. And there's this huge, huge issue about Melly being crazy and whether or not she's really got her crap together or not. The whole episode is pretty much leading up to Fitz's State of the Union address. One of the issues about the State of the Union address is, is Melly crazy? So there's a general movement afoot to see if Melly will actually show up at the State of the Union address. She's kind of shut down, you guys. She kind of has. And Cyrus, at a particular point, is also grieving the loss of a loved one. He can't even convince her to go. But eventually, God bless Abby, Abby figures out a way to get her going and gone to the State of the Union, which is actually terrific. Jake and Olivia are going through their own thing because Jake is in a hotel room because he won't stay with Olivia anymore. Meanwhile, Jake continues to go David into pursuing what's in the B613 files because 
it sort of seems like he should be pursuing that. And in the meantime, he actually comes across a video file of Charlie in a restaurant. Huh. Does that have something to do with Harris and Adnan Salif's disappearance and death? It actually could. Now, Abby, meanwhile, has to prepare David for his nomination as attorney general. And the problem is, is there's this really wonky, like, um, senator political dude who really has it in for David Rosen. And David Rosen finally figures out a way to use those B613 files by digging around for some dirt, which actually eventually forces this politico to support him in his attorney general nomination. Quinn and Huck have to babysit a couple who are known for their activism and gun control because Fitz wants them to show up at the aforementioned State of the Union address. Guess what? It turns out that this couple hate each other's guts. And it comes to blows and finally kind of comes to a head when the lovely woman who was put in a wheelchair by a shooting spree in a school where she ended up protecting kids end up sticking a corkscrew in her husband's leg in order to make him shut up. For all of you out there, not a great thing for marriage. You don't want to do that necessarily to your husband or wife because I don't think that really screams longevity. Olivia Pope, Huck, and Quinn all figure out a way to get them to the State of the Union address. And Huck and Quinn really, really have to figure out a way to mend their fences because it's been kind of screwed up with them. Fitz and Olivia finally sort of see each other near the end of this episode where Olivia gets a take on the speech that he's going to give about the State of the Union and gun control and everything sort of culminates in this amazing speech about gun control and you've realized that Olivia has told him to speak from the heart and Melly shows up and Liv shows up at Jake's hotel room and says it's not a booty call. Basically we leave things in the normal place with scandal which is everything sort of on edge. You don't know what the heck is going to happen next and you also find out that Cyrus who's actually trying to pursue possibly a relationship that could be a setup by Elizabeth North who of course is played by Portia de Rossi who's pretty freaking awesome. So that's scandal. That was a lot you guys but hey I just that's an excuse to blather. How to get away with murder? It was called It's All Her Fault. We start in the woods again and over the course of this episode we continually go back and forth to the woods and a lot of what we discover in the woods is that Wes is not the little puppy that we think he is and over the course of the period of time we kind of get the sense that Wes has really grown a pair I think is one way of putting it. We also discover things like oh Wes maybe was lying about that coin toss and who's Wes protecting and who's this woman that they're all talking about in the beginning of this. Um, the case that Annalise is dealing with is Max St. Vincent, who is a man who was accused of killing his wife. And what we discover over the course of this case is that, in fact, his daughter shows up from college to help testify in his behalf and that he, in fact, murdered her mother um, in an incredible sort of weird turn of events. We discover that his daughter, who found out about the murder, which she was never told about, conspires to bring her father down by what we finally find out through Annalise's incredibly clever footwork and a lot of work on our students part the daughter killed the second wife Annalise ends up getting the guy off which sounds really complicated but actually when you watch the episode which you really want to do after this summary because it's a really clumsy summary meanwhile there's this whole other problem going on which is where the heck was Sam over the course of the night of Lila Stangard's murder Annalise runs into her lover Nate I and mean, she begs him begs him please 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 investigate what happened because I think that there's something wrong we discover that the woman in question that everybody seems to be trying to protect in the woods during burying the body or burning the body isn't Annalise, which is what we think it is, but it is Rebecca, the girl that lived next door to Wes and it turns out has been intrinsically involved in this whole murder. The end of our current day episode is that Wes comes home to find out that Rebecca's been arrested. He desperately tries to convince Rebecca not to talk to the cops, goes back to his apartment and discovers that Rebecca left a phone which is hidden in his bathroom for him to find. 
and he, and he opens it and there's a code and you can't get in the code. So at the end of this episode, we realize that Wes has a phone, Rebecca's in jail, Annalise suspects her husband, and who the heck knows what's gonna happen next week. Okay, now I need a drink because that was exhausting. <laughs> You're really good with name retention, Betsy. <laughs> finally, finally, we get to talk about with, with uh, Kevin McKidd here about Grey's Anatomy, which is episode 102, which is called Puzzle with a Piece Missing. One of my favorite moments in this episode, to tell you the truth, Kevin, has nothing to do with anything except it was an amazing joke, which is a singing sturgeon, which was the singing telegram, <laughs> yeah, yeah. which I just loved. I mean, I just thought, thought that was- It was kind of genius. It was kind of genius. Yeah, I mean, that was Bill Harper, all over Bill Harper, brilliant genius writing. Oh my God, that just made me laugh so incredibly hard. <laughs> and a lot happens in this, because it feels like ever since Maggie's arrived at the hospital, I would say the merit has been hitting the proverbial fan, right? Right, I absolutely. Mean, pretty much, he, she screws up Karev's career because he had this nice cushy job with mm -hmm. that slightly questionable doctor that he's gonna work at right. by actually sort of outing him in the OR. Karev and Bailey are at odds in terms of, and then she steps in it by pointing out the fact that Bailey, you guys never should have eliminated Bailey's trials. Right. Right. Um, there's a whole Meredith issue, which seems to be a big problem. Yeah, which is going to get worse before it gets better. You don't know? you think? Oh, I yeah. mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't think the end of this episode really was a good indication of anything to me, which is she finally confronts Meredith and Meredith totally shuts her down and doesn't believe her. Right. Not which is good. Great. It's a, it was a great moment. I haven't seen that moment yet, but when we read it at the table read, it was a great, great moment. But yeah, it's not good. It's not a good way to start. You know? <laughs> and she's in every, I mean, you've got to say Kelly McCreary's in every scene in this episode and she's incredible. It is the, the Kelly McCreary episode. It's true. It's sort of like her point of view. Yeah. And you guys are all sort of standing, I think, with your mouths open, yeah. kind of going, oh, golly Moses, what did we, what did we actually bring upon ourselves? Which I think is, is kind yeah. of great. I also think, I mean, one of the things I know you do do in this episode is as the sort of authority figure at this hospital, you spend a lot of time questioning Maggie's motives for things. Like when she orders the tests that she right. doesn't necessarily need. And they cost a lot of money. I mean, it seems like all you do recently is try to like get these people to realize there's a freaking budget. <laughs> and that exactly. there are people, there's somebody in charge. Because yeah. ever since this board thing nobody happened, listens to Owen. Nobody, nobody listens, listens to, to Owen, Owen and I don't get it. Owen, <laughs> Owen could kill you with a hand, like with, with a pen, probably, right? Because like yeah. Owen was. Owen was a soldier. Owen yeah. knows how to fix people in battle, and he could probably like strangle you with his pinky. Right, right. right. So I would be more frightened of Owen. He chooses not to. You know, it's, <laughs> that's the thing. He just chooses not to. He could, but he chooses not to. No, I think you know she has a rough day. Kelly's character. You know, she really. It's almost like this episode is is everything that could go wrong it goes wrong totally. for her. I think what's great is it's like for me. As we all know, because I don't write the show, I just produced the show. I'm Grace Anatomy's biggest fan, so I love watching it. And I love coming to Table Reads because it's really fun to see you guys. One of the great things for me, even, after all these years, is every time a new person comes in and we get to see the, the hospital through their point of view, it helps refresh my memory as to what's come before. Right. Because she's playing catch up on so much stuff. Right. That you end up sort of going, oh my gosh, that's right. Like, this happened that year and that. And this whole sort of flood of heart surgeons came back to me. Right. Just right. by listening to her, I was like, oh, think about Burke. They're all, like all of these things. And then at the core of this to me, which is like the key, and Sean and I've talked about this endlessly, is, is there's this huge hole because Christina's not there. Yeah. And for Owen, I mean, what the hell? I know. I don't know what's going to happen for Owen. I, mean, I don't do you know. Think? How what are you, are you feeling think? about that? 
I don't know. It's kind of weird being single on the show because Owen was always attached <laughs> to Christina. It. I love it's a total reality too. It's just uh, like Owen's single. What are we gonna do, you guys? Oh, it's like wow. This is kind of weird. I, you know, it's like I think it's right that he's single for a while. Well, I think because he's it was the such most an... eligible fake TV doctor. Right, right. He's single. I think, don't you? Yeah. I mean, but I do but, think it's right because. I feel like you guys went through so much and you tried so hard. And yeah, you just... I, I saw a few tweets actually from people going, well, because Christina, when she went to Switzerland, has a photograph of you and Owen on the, her desk, that means you haven't broken up. That's well, awesome. It kind of does mean... It kind of means he broke up because she's in Switzerland, you guys. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> There's no commuter planes from Switzerland to no. Seattle last time I checked. Last time I checked, no. And I no. think as far as we know, they broke up. I think they broke up. I think she has that photograph because she still holds a piece of his heart. Yeah. But as as does he. But I don't know if that photograph constitutes like if Owen would be cheating if he went and did you something be, else. Set deck. You got to be careful what you put on desk, you guys. <laughs> Just watch it carefully. We all got to think about that stuff because a lot is read into this. A lot is read into it. Um, well, and also I think for Owen, the only way for Owen to move on, honestly, is if you did break up. If you did get to that point. I, but do you, I don't think Owen's necessarily ready to date yet. Do you? I don't think he is. I think I, I think it'll be fun when he does. Start oh, I can to date. hardly wait. Because I think it'll be a few. There'll be a few disastrous oh. events that oh, happen. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I hope anyway. So that, <laughs> that'd be really fun. How do you feel like when you think about the character when we all first started with this, which was the soldier with PTSD and you know Teddy and all that stuff? How do you, when you articulate, how do you think Owen's changed over the years? Oh my God. He's changed so much. What I love about the storyline and the character is that, you know, beyond just getting to play him every week, which I love and is a, is a huge blessing, but I do think there's something in the fact that this man who showed up completely broken in, in season five, you know, after having been in Iraq and being traumatized and, you know, strangling his girlfriend in bed and all just that kind of awesome, crazy stuff. I mean, it's just, just crazy. That was what about episode. that steam room? Right. Yeah, the vent room. The vent room. The vent room. I love the vent room. I remember Shonda came up with the vent room. She was like, there's a room and there's a vent. (laughs) And the air comes up. And I was like, that is like the most amazing thing I've ever heard. I I do not know where you get this stuff. There's a propeller going like this. And all the the set deck guys going, but isn't that going to bring his PTSD back? Just like seeing the (laughs) propeller again? But anyway. (laughs) We'd always joke about that on set. That would be super awkward in the vent room if his PTSD came back. (laughs) Yikers. But I do think, you know, there's something as far as, you know, we're a TV show and we're a drama and we're fiction but the fact that you're telling a story about this man who's gone from being this completely yeah. broken person yeah. having been at war to then becoming after five years the chief of a hospital yeah. single but the chief of a hospital yeah. is a, quite an aspirational it's, it's, a, it's a very positive message to be putting out there I think especially with you know with vets who are trying to rebuild their lives so on a serious note that, that I always feel proud about that that that's been Owen's trajectory, you know, that he isn't somebody who's stayed damaged. You know, he's, he still has those feelings and those things, but he's, you know, he's achieved and moved on and managed to rebuild his life. You know? I think that's a really, really good point. And I think there is something incredibly aspirational about somebody who started in the place he went. And also when we met your mom and there was a gigantic amount of baggage, both militarily and also pre-military. Right that Owen was carrying around and to think that it's possible for all of us no matter what with the help of people who care about you and also the strength and conviction to keep going that change and transformation is possible like that is incredibly encouraging. I also think it's funny what you said because I think what's interesting is it seems like in order to be head of a hospital it helps if you're single. Like I look at Richard and Richard had a wife but that was clearly problematic given what we know about Richard and Ellis and you know and his wife and even when you look at Derek for the period of time that 
Derek had the job. Just not good. I mean, yeah, he was like he was chief for like what three episodes? He was or chief for like a minute. <laughs> he didn't like it. So that did not go. Yeah, I think that I, I think it was like maybe an episode or two episodes. Yeah. But it's really been. I mean, because Sloan never got to do it, right? Nope. No. Um, it's just been that you and Richard. I know it's true. I remember the day Tony Phelan actually said to me. He said. So we're making you chief. And it was just after Shepard had been chief for like two episodes. And I said, oh, great, that'd be fun. How many episodes am I going to be chief for before Richard is chief again? And he went, no, no, we're keeping you chief. I'm like, really? (laughs) I fell off my chair. I was like, but isn't that just like going to be a six episode thing? And he went, no, 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 we're going to keep you chief. You're chief. Like, wow. Um, And for you guys who don't know, Tony Phelan was one of our fabulous writers with his his wife, Joan. Um, They were partners, Joan Rader and Tony Phelan. They are now on another show on another (coughs) network. Um, (laughs) But they're terrific and funny and great. And um, Tony was also a director, which actually, interestingly enough, leads me to my next point, which is the trifecta thing that you do involves directing as well. And you've directed... Eight episodes? I think it's eight. I think, I think it's, it's eight, eight or nine. Yeah, I can't according remember. to my crack staff, Holly, who's sitting here. <laughs> it's and, eight. Okay, so basically, I remember when you directed your first episode, and it was quite the thing, and you were very excited and oh my God. just a tiny bit nervous. I think I was really nervous. I didn't sleep, Betsy, for like <laughs> I didn't sleep for the entire prep. I'm and laughing then the, in the most evil way. <laughs> and then the entire shooting, I did not sleep. I remember I didn't sleep a wink, and I was so caffeinated. That I was just like a wild, I was like I was like a sort of a wild animal basically on set. Okay, what was funny too is what I do remember was your first table read, and I remember the expression on your face, which was a little bit like either a kid at Christmas or a puppy who had to go out and pee. I'm not sure which one, but it was that vaguely like, and maybe you did have to pee because you were drinking a lot of coffee. But you had this. It was just it was the most beautiful thing, you guys, because he was so ready. He was so ready. He just needed to get let out the door. That's right. But he was so happy, but at the same point you could see he just wanted to do a good job. Yeah. And he did. You killed it. You've yeah. always killed it, which oh, is what's great. I love to it. the point where you did the first episode this year. Yeah, I, mean, I got to direct the, the premiere episode. Funnily enough, the writer of my first episode that I directed that you're talking about was Hammer. It was um, Mark Wilding, Wilding, who is the executive producer of Scandal and has been in the um, Shondaland family for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. And he was he was really it was great having Hammer. Hammer's his nickname. Um, By the way, why his is nickname he... is okay, so his nickname's Hammer because he's not. <laughs> his nickname's Hammer and you guys, if you meet Mark Wilding, the great thing about Mark Wilding is he's this big, elegant, polite, lovely guy who when he loses his temper, I have to say it's rare, but it's scary. But it is rare. But I think he initially did get the nickname Hammer on Grey's Anatomy because he does not present as a hammer. No. He says things like, very good, and as you wish. As you and wish. he was raised um, in, a, in a partially British household, which means he actually has very good manners. He can get down into it if he has to. But so I think Hammer was ironic. But now everyone calls him Hammer, you guys. I mean, I don't think his wife calls him Hammer, thank God, because that would be sort of weird. <laughs> but we trained the studio in the network to call him Hammer. Really? Oh, everyone calls him Hammer. So the poor wow. guy. Guy. I, I believe a nickname is the greatest sign of love, personally. Absolutely, I love Hammer. He's the he's the best. We, I miss him still because he he's, was he's great. Oh, oh my god, he's fantastic. He's great, and we always talk about Kevin coming over and directing one of the other shows because Kevin is is so incredibly talented. So, what was it like directing Gina Davis? Oh my god, she's like everyone was really nervous because she's like an she's Oscar Gina winning Oscar Davis. winning Gina Davis. She's Gina Davis, and she walks on set and she is really nervous, which kind of freaked everybody out. Everyone thought she'd be like you know the whatever with nobody. 
already knew yeah. what she would be. Yeah, I mean, she, she had her own television show too. Yeah, she was really nervous. And within about 10 minutes, I think she realized that this was a really safe place and we're all really friendly. The set is always really friendly for yeah. guest, guest stars. But initially it was really endearing because nobody expected her. Everyone expected her just to walk on and be completely at ease. And she was just so endearingly nervous and sort of feeling that she, she was a little bit sheepish. And I would never have thought somebody like Gina Davis would still be nervous on the first day on set. I'm always nervous on the first day on set. Every, even the first time we come back from a hiatus, back to you know the new season, I feel a little bit of nerves. Just why do you, why do you think that is? Just because you feel like you haven't exercised the muscle in a little yeah, while? Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's, I worry about my Scottish accent coming out. Listen to that Scottish <laughs> accent, you guys. We tried to keep that accent. We kept trying to wrestle with it. And Shonda kept saying, I think he's American. I don't know what to do because we just love your Scottish accent. <laughs> like someday I'm going to get to do something with Kevin McKidd where we just extra Scots you. <laughs> we like Uber Scots. We Uber Scots you. We just, we make you talk with the most, the thickest Glaswegian <laughs> accent that no one will ever understand just for my own delight. Let's do it. Okay, I'll be a Glaswegian guest star on one of, <laughs> one of the other shows. That'd be great. We'll put you in a... You know, a like a cap and a weird beard or and something. And a wee kilt. A, be, a wee kilt. kilt would be awesome. A little mini kilt. A mini right. kilt would be just, <laughs> just genius. Just genius. Do you ha you actually sort of have an album, right? I do, yeah. That's right. It was about four years ago I did this wee album. God, I'm getting really Scottish now. You could do it. I suddenly now we got this wee I album. It. I did this wee album a few years ago. What a dram. It's all good. But it was all Scottish music. Uh, so, yeah, it's still, you can still buy it on iTunes. You can, you can buy it on iTunes, you guys, so... Yeah, it's called the Space nice Side thing. Sessions. Might be a nice thing for over the weekend. I think yeah. that could be an incredibly great thing. <laughs> so if we actually did a guest appearance on Scandal, we'd just put you, you think, in a little kilt, and what's your ideal part if we ever made you a guest <laughs> I don't know, Scandal? like, I guess like a hard man, a Glaswegian hard man. Let's go hard man. So a really sort of tough, because there's a lot of really hard guys in Glasgow. It's a really like tough, that. tough working-class city. Oh, so like that, that would be fun to do. I don't get to be... I used to do a lot of... Uh, at least did a lot of bad guys. You back did in the actually. Day. That was where I first saw yeah. you. And I kind of miss it. I kind of, you know, because Owen has his he's, he has his dark sides, but he's generally for the good in, in on the planet. You know, he's healing people as opposed to killing people. So I think it'd be fun to do another. You're a good uh, killer. Yeah, I'm pretty good at that stuff. You're a good killer. You're a good ambiguous killer too. Yeah. You've done that too really well. Right, right. You have sympathy for. You, you kind sympathy of understand a little bit. He's sort of cold and tortured. Like exactly. That stuff. That's good. Yes, we could be some strange Glaswegian killer politician. <laughs> there you go. Maybe some embassy guy or right, something, right, right. Embassy guy comes in over the wee kilt when Scotland gets independence or something. Like exactly. That. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have some questions from our Twitter and Facebook followers. Okay. So Nicole at Mystic Grays wants to know, what do you think about Owen and Amelia as a possibility? Well, Nicole, is it Nicole? This is Nicole. She's Hi, Nicole. Um, Nicole is at Mystic Grays. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I know there's been there's been talk about that being a potential love interest for Owen. You know, she's nice and she's kind of messed up, you know, as a character. Just she's a got tad. a pretty dark past. Similar to Owen, so maybe that's yeah. a good fit. I don't know. We, funnily enough, up until this point, we were on episode six, Owen and Amelia have, have not even been in the same scene as each other. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if, if there's any kind of spark. Oh, that's, that's super interesting. I love yeah. playing the game with actors. Um, who haven't you done a scene with and who do you want to do a scene with? <laughs> well, I wouldn't mind doing a scene with her. Who have I not done a scene with? Seems like it's hard to find in a show that's lasted as many yeah. years as this I haven't one. done a, scenes with Bailey in a long time and I love it when Owen oh, and I Bailey... Oh, I love with Owen, Owen and Bailey. Yeah, because they always oh, clash heads. No to the writers, Owen and Bailey. Yeah. It's like that's the best. What was your favorite scene to shoot as a director in the premiere? Heartbeat wants to know at A. Crowen. I would say the most challenging scene was the sequence with the helicopter. 
even though a lot of it was green screen. Oh, I love that. The fact that we had these huge, we had these huge wind machines, you know, like it was kind of, it felt like it was old Hollywood for a second. It was this huge set, huge wind machines, big cranes, you know, so I got to have all these toys, which I, we, we don't get to have that much. No, we don't. We actually, we kind of like blow the pile of money, like every once in a while we stockpile right. some, some shekels and then we go out <laughs> and first episode, we kind of have to do something impressive. I love that. And also, by the way, like I read the script, I'd obviously like, been there at the table read. When I saw that episode and that gurney went flying off, I was in a group of people, you guys, because we were all together actually Thursday night because we were trying to, to keep the, the tweeting spirits alive. And it was amazing. Like, yeah. it totally freaked me out. Yeah, it was great. That must have been so much fun to direct. It was so fun. And there was that shot that, it was funny, I, I had in my mind this shot where we were below the, the skyscraper and the gurney comes and spins and slams straight into us, you know. Totally. Yep. And I was like, there was no way to do that where we are our set. So I said to Scott Ramsey, who's our amazing visual effects supervisor, I said, this is the shot I've got in my mind and I know we can't do it in, in any practical terms because it's all just green screen elements. And he said, leave it with me, I'll do it. And I'm like, are you sure? Because I'm, I'm a real worry wart and I've got, I'm very meticulous. He's a real worry wart. <laughs> and sure enough, that, sh that shot when it comes and, and it literally the, the, the gurney slams right onto our faces, as it were, he just nailed it. So I was very happy. Oh, it's so cool. I mean, it's just like so cool. Calzona at Caption Anatomy. What was your favorite season finale? Oh, wow. The Shooter. And by the I way, think. I think Calzona might be from England or Europe because of the spelling of the word favorite. Just saying. <laughs> with, a, with, a a, it's OU. with an O-U. I would say... Hey there across the pond. I love the Shooter episode. I love... I was going to say that too. That was an amazing episode. I was... literally was sitting here with the Shooter episode in my head. Yeah. Like, I love the Shooter episode, which just sounds like a weird thing to say. But I found it so amazingly compelling and moving. And I felt like every single character was put in literally the most nightmarish situation. Um, yeah, it was, it was just so much fun to shoot. It felt like we were in this thriller, you know. The, totally. The, the episode felt like we were in this totally. sort of high espionage thriller episode. I loved the, the table read where Owen gets shot in the chest in the OR. And I'm sat there going, <gasps> and I remember there was, we came to the end of the page and Christina's character is saying, is Owen dead? Is Owen dead? And there was a page turn before you have Meredith saying, no, no, he's he's still breathing, and I was like, I was like, oh, please, please let him not be dead. I was like, <laughs> okay, and I just want to make a point for our, our listeners: if we're killing somebody, we do try to tell them ahead of time, <laughs> yeah. so they don't find out on the table read because awkward. Hey, that would be awkward. It's a little little strange, <laughs> yeah, but that's that's the sort of thing you learn over the years that not the best way to actually let an actor know that they're dead <laughs> is sitting there. Not always the best. Yeah. Totally. Nina Ackerman um, at Gray's O-I-T-N-B-F-A-N -N, wants to know, what was your favorite episode with Sandra Oh? Oh my God, so many episodes I loved working with Sandra. It's really, that's a really hard question because there was a lot of amazing episodes. I loved the alternate universe episode from I last season. I love that episode. Oh, I love that episode so much. Just to kind of see what, what, where they might end up. But I also loved, there was a great episode for them when they they spent the whole episode in therapy back in like season seven, and we just Sandra I and I just the, I love the therapy you know we we just too. we just got to do so much really detailed acting work in that episode. But I did love I love the fun of the alternate episode, even though the alternate universe episode was kind of depressing because both whether they had kids or didn't have kids, they they both eventualities left them one of them unhappy. Which yeah, I thought it was the coolest sort of why do we say sliding doors, which isn't really right, but it was that old movie with John Hanna and. Yeah. Gwyneth Paltrow and this whole idea of when you really follow the path, which, and I loved the framing device of that, which was the guy who was trying to figure out whether or not he wanted to be kept alive or not. And 
I just, it's that moment when he's so happy with the kids and the birthday party's going on. And you realize no matter which way you played this, it just didn't work out well. And by the way, the guy who really got screwed and everything was Jackson. I know. I who, know like, as right. a result of you guys, became like a hopeless alcoholic and home. And That's right. That was just a crap show. Of he had a cool kind of beard. He had a great he? beard. I yeah, mean, his facial beard. hair was awesome. <laughs> Which was really the upside, I think, to all of that. Um, Simone on Chasing Rain at Chasing Rain wants to know, do you feel a character's storyline can be explored without being paired up as someone's love interest? Which is, I think, a really interesting thing to ask. Like, it doesn't seem to be dependent on being a love interest to be an interesting character, right? Right. Yeah, no, I think so. I mean, interestingly, before Owen Hunt showed up, Christina's character spent, what would it have been, about a season and a half? Or a season single? I yeah. think she spent season four as a single person. Yeah. And Owen is kind of doing the same thing right now. So I think, absolutely, I think it's... Actually, it's been really interesting playing Owen uncoupled from Christina to kind of figure out who he is and what his world is and you know, how he ticks as a person without being at the, the, sec- the other half of a relationship. So I think uh, totally. No, I think, I think so. And also, I always like to say that the, some of the most intense and important relationships on this show are not romantic. Right. So it's like when you look at Christine and Meredith, which to a large degree was you know, this, this emotional center of the show yeah. when we started too, part of the idea when we were first talking about this was the depth of every kind of relationship you can have. Your friends, your competitors, your boss, yeah. your lover. So I am excited because I do think it kind of gives your character this opportunity to yeah. get to explore other well, it's stuff. Been, it's, so far this season, there's been a lot. Owen and Callie have become very sort of linked. And their relationship is getting deeper and deeper and really intense, you know. So that's been really fun to play. And Sada's such a brilliant Oh, she's, she, she is. And, you know, interesting enough, Melly Grant. Melly Grant at Calliope AUSE. Or O's, Calliope's, or something, because as you guys know, one of the funny jokes of this podcast is I can't pronounce Twitter handles. <laughs> she said, what do you think of a Callie and Owen friendship in season 11? I really feel like that's starting to develop. It really is. And it was kind of hinted at way, way back. It's funny, I watched reruns of season five recently, and you could see the kind of, we hinted at a, a bond between Callie and, and Owen, but then Owen got so busy with Christina and all that, you know, uh, the mess, the messed up nature of their relationship. Well, that was so, a full time job. Dude. Yeah, that was a full time job. Him and Callie really are kind of, you know, they're kind of they're they're in an interesting place together. Which is just super cool. Now, Gabriel Marie at Gabs Gabs wants to know: Do you like to dance, and if so, what's your favorite go to dance song? <laughs> I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm going. I'm not the best dancer in the world. I'm a better singer than I am a dancer. Let's put it that way. I don't mind doing things like not a dancer. See. America, do not send him dance But I'll try. You know, you know what? I'll try. He'll I'm try. I'm not one of these people who like won't dance. You know those guys that are like, no, I don't dance. I don't dance. And they just kind of stand <laughs> at the bank and go, I don't dance. You know, I'm not that. I will go and make a complete idiot of myself and enjoy it. I love moving, but if I really had an out-of-body experience and watched my own dancing, I would not give myself a 10. Um, Stephanie ostrovsky Taraday wants to know, how hard is it to go from a Scottish to an American accent? It used to be hard. Um, the first season, actually, I had a dialect coach, uh, you know, a, a voice coach for the first season. I remember that. Yeah, who's an amazing, she's an amazing dialect coach. And uh, But now I don't need it. Now I feel like I, I can literally, I, I see these actors who stay in an American accent all the time, you know, and I don't, that's not for me because I would just feel like I was a schizophrenic person if I did that. <laughs> so I have to kind of, I like the idea, I like the, the, the feeling of jumping from, it's like an on-off switch. You know, as soon as they say cut, 
I go straight back into my normal accent. Yeah, because you're really, it's really seamless at this point. Because you'll be, ta I'll be talking to you, you'll sit down at the table, read, yeah. you'll switch. And also, I sort of feel like when you have kids, nothing would be freakier to me than watch daddy come home and talk in a weird voice. Absolutely. Like Daniel like, Day Lewis, you know, he stays in like the character he's playing. Yeah, but like, he also like, made shoes for a while, didn't he? <laughs> that's right. God bless him. I mean, he's amazing. Like, he quit and he became a cobbler and that's then he right. came back and he was a genius. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think it would be very hard to function no. in my daily life. Yeah, my kids was, would be like, "Why is Dad acting so why weird? Why is he acting so on? weird? Like, is he is he pretentious? <laughs> exactly. Is Dad pretentious? I don't know." <laughs> One last question, which is, do you? I mean, Adriana asked this. Do you miss Eric and Kyler? I do. You know, I really do. I mean, I haven't seen Eric. I bumped into Eric at an audition about a year ago, and he was he looked really great. Kyler Lee, she was such an amazing person and a brilliant actress and funny as hell. So yeah, I miss them all. I miss them all quite a lot. And everybody wants to know if you miss Sandra. No, don't miss Sandra. Of course I miss Sandra. But Sandra, Sandra lives literally 10 minutes away from our studio. So I do see quite a lot of Sandra. So it's not quite so bad. I thought it would be a lot worse than it was because she really is or was my person. So. Oh yeah, you guys, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's a comfort for all of us to know. Yeah. See, that you can run into her every once in a while or make a plan to get together and you can see each other. Yeah. Thank you so much for doing this. Did I do have, okay? Oh my God, you were so great. You guys, look, it's like his first podcast ever and he had to do it with me. <laughs> I was nervous okay. about it, guys. Oh, he, he, he should, see, that's the thing is you're like, you're so good at everything. You could just like lay back. But I think part of the reason that you're so good at everything is you get excited about it and your passion and stuff shows through, which is what's super cool. So Kevin McKidd, such a pleasure to talk to you and so much fun to actually get a little bit of quality time. And the selfish reasons I do these podcasts, you guys, is so I actually get a little one-on-one -on -one time with people who I really like and I don't get to hang out with. And then you guys have to listen. <laughs> so it's a win-win, it's a right? Um, okay, so next week, we have a whole, that's my phone, you guys. Isn't that cool? Okay. Would that be so, <laughs> my poor assistants out there will be like, we lost our jobs. <laughs> Kevin McKidd's answering the phone. <laughs> Next week, we have three more fantastic episodes of new television programs. We have Grey's Anatomy at 8 o'clock. It's going to be incredibly fabulous and exciting. You're going to love it. And that's at 8 o'clock, ABC. At 9 o'clock, we have Scandal. Also a brand new episode. You're not going to be able to believe what's going to happen. It's all getting worse. That's all I'm going to tell you. And there's an incredible case which is coming up. And just watch the Jake Olivia stuff. It's going to kind of get kind of heated in different ways. I'm not giving anything away, but come on, how long can this situation just keep going? And oh, I can't tell you too much. So that's nine o'clock on ABC on Thursday night and 10 o'clock, How to Get Away with Murder. Oh, there are a lot of problems going on on How to Get Away with Murder. You got the dead body, you got the concern about Annalise's husband, Sam, played by Tom Verica, a man who's also can do more than one thing because he's a director on Scandal and he's the actor on How to Get Away with Murder. The relationship with Wes and Rebecca, what's going on with that? We're gonna find out in flashback and we're gonna find out in present day. And you're also gonna get a little window into the soul of Michaela. That's at 10 o'clock on ABC Thursday night. That's next week. You have a full lineup of Shondaland. Don't miss us. You know the drill. You can follow us about a billion different ways nowadays because technology has gotten kind of crazy. There's Twitter, there's Facebook, and you can always listen to these podcasts. And there's always that dot-com thing, which has been around for a long time, but they do a great job on the ABC website. They do a great job for us at Shondaland. Check it out. This is Betsy Beers. I'm the executive producer of Shondaland Thursdays. This is Shondaland Revealed. Have a great, safe week, and I will be back next week with another fabulous, fine performer from one of the fine television programs. Bye-bye.